this is Leslie. And this is Liam. And this is Tim. And we are all trading money stress for real happiness. You are listening to Seeds, usually a 15-minute debrief on young people's money challenges. But this time, we're stoked to be beginning the Future of Finance series, highlighting our favorite industry leaders and their top tips for managing your money. Today, we're excited to feature Mount Financial, a company dedicated to helping women of color eliminate poverty cycles by creating long-term generational wealth assets and breathing rooms for their households. Mount Financial is sensitive to the cultural relevance of money blocks and issues that impact our community. They infuse this first-hand experience and knowledge into their coaching and education practices. You can think of programs and services as your chance to have a financial do-over, but instead of making costly mistakes on your own, this time you'll have it easy to follow directions and a financial friend providing you over-the-shoulder guidance. And nobody better can really represent Amount Financial than their fearless founder, Dr. Nicole Garner-Scott. Dr. Nicole Garner-Scott, or Nicole to close friends, is an award-winning serial entrepreneur. She's the founder of Garner Circle PR, an award-winning consultancy that's worked with Fortune 500 companies for over a decade. She's also a sought-after money coach, certified financial educator, speaker, and just all-around author and businesswoman. Nicole received her undergraduate degree from Georgia State University, her MBA from Strayer, and her awarded an honorary doctorate recognized for her work in business. Now, this is a great one. A mother, wife, and White House recognized and awarded entrepreneur. Ooh, this bio. I mean, aren't you guys getting excited? <laughs> awarded entrepreneur, Nicole has created a socially conscious digital empire that touches millions. Wow, we are so excited to have you. <laughs> Thanks Nicole, <laughs> thrilled to have you. You know our podcast is designed to help trade money stress for real happiness. What does happiness mean to you and how are you using finances to get there? So um, this question is just so timely to me. Um, watching the Super Bowl, and there was this beautiful commercial that came on um, by Michelob Ultra that just talked about happiness. And it said at the end, the quote at the end of the commercial was, um, uh, are you happy because you won or did you win because you're happy? And it really talked about having joy throughout the journey, having joy throughout the game. And many of us waiting to the end to figure out um, when we can express or feel or succumb to happiness when maybe happiness was there the whole time. And so uh, it, that just really resonated with me personally, uh, just having joy, uh, being able to be present, having the, the gratitude, being gratitude uh, throughout the process. All of that is happiness to me. And especially when it comes to finances, um, our previous generations, you know, grandparents, great-grandparents, parents, depending where you, you know, where you are um, on the generational scope, you know, it, it was basically happiness with finances happened at the end of life. You worked yourself to the bone for years upon years upon years so that you could finally enjoy life in your retirement. And I knew for a fact that that was not how I wanted to express or intertwine happiness into my life. I wanted to experience it the entire way. So that's, that, that's pretty much what struck with me the most. 
And excuse me for link looking down. Is anybody else? Did anybody else take out a notepad during that? <laughs> I was like, I, I wrote them. I, I was I like, write down quotes already. <laughs> so inspiring, and and truly, I think you hit the crux of what we try to share with this show, which is so much of that happiness is the mindset and is your approach. And often, or at least I'll speak from my own experience, um, many of our listeners know I'm a, you know, Black woman entrepreneur, I'm coming from a first-generation American background, have an incredible extended network, but it's very, very non-traditional. And at least in my experience, a lot of my passion has been driven by a challenge. Even finding that gratitude, we know that there are really tough situations that people go through. And I'd be curious, Nicole, from your perspective to hear if there are any challenges on the personal finance front that you've experienced or, or those that you've witnessed that really helped to shape that personal journey and that approach? Sure. So uh, quite a few things. I'll talk about my own personal and then <clears throat> I'll talk about just the experience of from being a money coach and, and dealing with uh, so many women who are trying to get their bearings and try to change their financial stories themselves. But personally for me, in my earlier years, it was probably more lack of exposure, uh, lack of resources, um, and then also just a negative connotation with money. Um, when there wasn't enough money, it, it the sound of money didn't necessarily resonate a happy space to me or a happy uh, thought or feel tone. It was what was blocking me from getting the things that I wanted from the things that my friends had, you know, as a child, it's just, you're not understanding, like, why is there a limit? Why is it not unlimited resources to all your heart's desires, you know, and, and Disney will do a good job of making you feel like, hey, like, I thought I was a princess. <laughs> but, um, you know, just, just dealing with that, dealing with, um, changing that feeling, changing my own personal narrative when it came to money, um, changing uh, what I did not know about money. And so I had really great mentors and experiences um, as soon as I went off to college that just really opened up my eyes to how money is utilized as a tool. And that wasn't the verbiage that I heard, you know, so much growing up. And so um, I thought that the beauty was the, the piece of paper or the card, but that's just the tool to what it is that you really value. That's a, a tool to what it is that you are really um, uh, putting your, your emphasis into. And um, I'm gonna tell one more story really quickly. <laughs> I don't wanna, I don't wanna overtake it with, cause I, I could be a, a, a storyteller, but um, uh, I remember, uh, my grandmother a long time ago just telling me, you know, that people have money. So um, the, the, the true definition of money and wealth, people have that so misconstrued in, in our generation and further on. And she was like, basically, you could take a, a worthless little piece of paper, you can go to the grocery store, and you can get all of these fresh fruits and vegetables and meats and everything that can sustain life. But yet we get mad that we have to spend this worthless piece of paper to get that. And she was like, the groceries, the food, the sustenance, that's the true wealth. 
And that piece of paper is just a tool to help you to be able to achieve that. And so little things like that through the years really helped me understand wealth a lot more, helped me understand where it was I was truly trying to go. You know, it, it wasn't, it was never, I just wanted a bunch of money just to have a bunch of money because you can lose it so easily too if you have no foundation or grounding in it. But really understanding those principles, understanding generational wealth. You know, I, I have studied a lot of wealthy families. Uh, you know, I've read as many books as probably all three of you have too on Rockefellers and so many other um, wealthy families and, and saw what they were able to achieve for their bloodline. And so um, I, I wanted to do that for my family. I want to carry that on. I wanted to um, create, uh, create value in our last name. And so that was a lot of my driving force too. Mm. Awesome, that's great to hear. I just wanted to circle back to uh, something you said about your earlier years where you um, you said you didn't have that, you know, you, those, those resources that you wish you had, you didn't have that lack of, ex or you had that lack of exposure. Uh, mm -hmm. Many of our listeners are recent grads. As you reflect on your own journey, what do you wish you knew when you were starting to build your adult relationship with money in those college years? So, yes, that's such a good question. Thank you. Um, uh, to have a positive relationship with credit, I went from I went from two extremes, like completely scared of credit, I don't know about it, to woohoo, credit. <laughs> you know, it was no in the middle of learning how to have a positive relationship with that. Um, so that was number one. Number two, there were so many things that I thought I couldn't do financially until after I graduated. I felt like oh, I'm, you know, I'm still a child or I'm still, you know, a young adult and I'll figure out some of those things. But your college years are the best years, the best years to be, to start your investment journey, the best years to um, utilize finances that you're giving for future opportunities, the best years to not get into bed with loans that will haunt you for the next 20 and 30 years. To be honest, once you go to college or right as soon as you graduate, those are some of your most fragile years where you make some of the financial decisions that will stick with you for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And had I known, I thought that I could just kind of mess up and figure some things out later on in life. Um, had I had known how serious those years were, I would have built up a, a larger uh, infrastructure, a larger support team during that time. And so even, you know, if, if any parents are listening to this in case, you know, some, some of your listeners pass this on to their parents, I don't think that it's smart to say, hey, you're 18, go figure out life by yourself because so many fragile mistakes can happen during that time. I feel like that is the best time to start having financial dis discussions. And if you are 18, these are, you know, 18 and up, this is when you can start having those true financial discussions with your parents. You know, what, what should I do about this? And if you don't know mom or dad, then could you help me connect to someone who does? Do we have an aunt in the family that can answer this question? Do we have an uncle? Is there a grandfather who's really good at business? Is there you know, someone at your job that you could connect me to? At some point, we have to know this information. It can't, it's not gonna ever just fall into our laps. So. Um, knowing as a recent grad, 
before you have kids, before you get married, before you have all these other responsibilities, it's such a beautiful time for you to really structure out your finances. And the best thing that you have as a recent grad, or even for those who are still in school, you have the beauty of time for compound interest, right? And so as you get older, that runway becomes shorter and shorter. And the beauty of being young is you can put some money to the side, just put it to the side, not to be touched for, for you to experience one of the greatest wonders of the world, which is compound interest, you know? And it will, it will blossom throughout your life. And when you get to a point where you ever might need it, you know, it'll be there. And if you don't ever need it, you've already set up the generations ahead of you. So um, your youth is, is the best, best time for you to really start to start to plan out your financial journey. Nicole, such good points about diving in early. And I think there's this fear of failure, right? And yeah, we'll fail in some decisions like all things in life, but we'll fail fast. Yeah. And to your point, we'll figure that out fast, right? So action item right there, I recommend all of you find that mentor, find a friend and just start to have the conversation. That's how you'll learn. Um, but I, I do want to pivot here to kind of on the industry side, Nicole, uh, given how experienced you are in the industry, I I want to dig into this future of finance and our, you know, our topic of the series here. Do you have any, I, I feel like you do have some. So what are your uncommon, but maybe strong opinions towards what may lie ahead for the average American and why? Sure. Okay. So this is good. No, we, we're in the <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I'll talk about FinTech first. Right. And so, um, what's beautiful for this generation, what's beautiful for your generation is the access that you have to financial technology that no generation has had before that. And that, to me, helps this generation really understand what money is, right? So older generations were very concerned about cryptocurrency and what is Bitcoin and I don't get it, it's just numbers. But now that we, we have emerged into such a cashless society, and so much happens. So Cash App is so normal for, for this generation, right? Like it immediately, there's no money being exchanged physically, but you trust that the money is, is, is departed and landing in the other person's account. And so you know, so at that point, when you step back from the app, you realize it's technology, it's numbers, it's um, algorithms, it's, you know, so many different things that's making this happen. And it's not a physical dollar that traveled through space to get to the other person. So FinTech is going to only explore and explode so much more. And as much as we can get into technology, the better. Um, my, from my personal stance, I always like to be an advocate to make sure that um, biases don't, don't flood into financial technology, right? And so, um, when we're creating a lot of this technology piece, when we're putting these things out there, we wanna make sure that there are all um, communities accounted for, right? And so I think people tend to forget, cause I have so many friends in like Silicon Valley and you know, just in the development space and you can get a little bit far removed from the day-to-day -day of the average American. 
but every American doesn't have a bank account, right? Every American um, does not have access to a smartphone to be able to utilize some of these different things. And so for anyone who's tuned in, who's into financial technology, I always, always encourage you to make sure that you remember the average American when you are in your development stages and as you're increasing in those spaces. Um, what I will say too, another thing that's very important is currency is really what we trust in and what we believe in, right? And so if we go back to BC time, currency was uh, animal bones and, <laughs> you know, rocks and, you know, <laughs> and whatnot. And, and then you go up a couple hundred years and currency was spices. There was wars over spices, you know, and we, we could just go to Whole Foods now and get whatever spice from across the world we want. But if you go back, uh, you know, centuries ago, people, the currency was spices. You know, you could buy this land with a boat of salt. And now, um, you know, we're in a space where currency is, is digital in its, in its sense. And so um, currency is always what we have trust in and what we believe in. And so that's why I'm always pushing the efficacy behind a lot of what's transpiring now too, because as soon as we stop believing in it, then it loses its value, right? And so those are just things I want to keep in the back of people's minds as, as we continue to develop in the industry. Awesome, yeah, I love how you brought up, you know, the financial technology world and the access that's providing to millions of Americans and, you know, the vast amount of information that, that's out there. Um, with all that information, uh, it can be kind of an overload at some points, I feel like. What mm -hmm. failures or bad advice do you currently see in the direct-to-consumer finance industry? And maybe how would you avoid or advise someone to avoid those? Sure. Um, so everyone's journey is not the same. And so I think that there's a lot of blanketed advice that's given out. Um, and especially from from a lot of different financial coaches and financial planners, they tend to throw a large blanket out and this will help everybody, but everyone's story is so different. Um, so I think as a part of giving back to the space and really helping to change that is really getting to a space of uh, customizing a lot of the information that's being given to that person's story. So even my company, we personally go through a multitude of, of uh, variances just to see how did you get to where you got to? What do you value? What was your childhood experience with money? Do you have financial traumas that you deal with? Do you have financial PTSD that you're, that you're dealing with, which is very, very real? Um, do you have cultural intricacies that are uh, affecting you? You know, so let's say that you're an immigrant. Are you con consistently sending money back home to family members? Um, do you have a parent that's depending on you? I mean, there's so many different things, which is why I always feel like it's so bad that credit is just based on a blanketed thing too, because it's a reason. It's so many acceptable reasons to why some people have bad credit. You know, it could have been medical issues or very horrid life situations that got them got them to that point, not because they just didn't care to pay the bill, but. I believe the same in, in financial advice and financial planning that you have to customize to what that person is going through 
Um, and then also too, I mean, we have, we have great people, you know, we have the Dave Ramseys, we have the Susie Ormans, we have great individuals, but um, it, it's a certain psyche to some of those different processes, right? So um, like with Dave Ramsey, his, his, uh, his uh, process is delayed gratification. And so that's easy for some who have had a life of gratification. But if you've never had gratification and then someone tells you to delay it, then it's like, oh my gosh, like I can't stick to this. You know, it's the same with, with, uh, with food, right? So let's say that, um, you know, you're going on some diet or whatnot. If you've always ate kind of healthy, it's not a big thing. But if this is your first time really ever purchasing vegetables and you've eaten Cheetos and everything else for the longest, then it's a, it's a drastic shock. And I think we have to become a little more sensitive than just saying, hey, it takes discipline. And if you really want it, you can do it. When you look at someone's complete totality of their story. I, I have to say, I'm like fiercely nodding over here because for any client that is listening to this episode or for the dozens of people that reach out to us to want to work with CWC and get frustrated that we have a completely personalized approach, there is no silver bullet. I mean, you heard it here first. It is so, so necessary to acknowledge the very different, very, very different situations that we all come from. So Nicole, hearing you say that from your incredible reach and expertise is extremely validating for us. And I love how you mentioned too, that it, so much of that is, is situational, right? It, it's, I saw a tweet the other day about, um, you know, there's a difference between making good choices and having good choices. And some people have had good choices that could, they could have made. So it's not always a willpower mm -hmm. thing. Um, but anyways, you're, you're getting me excited, obviously. I mean, everyone here knows this is like my bread and butter. But um, I, I'm really glad you mentioned the financial PTSD aspect in there as well. As you know, we've heard you mention that on various different platforms and would be really, really helpful to get your perspective on, you know, how can you either, I don't want to say diagnose, but what are some indicators to look out for if maybe you're listening to this episode or you have a friend or family member that you think might be going through that kind of thing. Um, and what are some of the mm -hmm. things that Amount does to try to help combat uh, that financial trauma? So one thing that, that we definitely do is help people become aware of it. So we've heard the terminology PTSD when we think of people who've been through very horrific um, moments in their lives. But what we tend to um, dismiss is how horrific financial tragedy can be in people's lives, especially when you're a child and you can't digest it in the same way. So being evicted from a home, um, ever having uh, utilities cut off, ever having a car repossessed, not being able to afford a class when you got into college, um, not having enough money to pay rent, just certain things in that demeanor, um, they leave an impression in, in, in your body. They leave an impression in your mind and they can form triggers and overall behavioral change when that happens. And so I'm so glad you brought this up because 
we just don't talk about it enough. Um, there's this great TEDx talk uh, that talks about um, uh, financial behavior and uh, financial shame. Um, I can't remember who did it, but if you just put in financial shame into, into the TED Talk search, you'll be able to pull it right up. But it's, it's uh, how people customize their lives based on this, this level of hurt and based on this level of pain. Um, and they keep cycling it over and over again. And so let me talk a little bit about what financial trauma and what financial PS, uh, PTSD is. And so uh, in regards to it is if something traumatic has happened in your life surrounding around finances and it's so severe that it disrupts your home or your work life and it causes a person a sincere uh, amount of distress. So um, once again, it could be from like a foreclosure, uh, losing a large amount of money due to fraud, which has been in the very high numbers during the pandemic where people are losing astronomical amounts of money to fraud, um, uh, divorce. Uh, you, for those who've just recently graduated, dealing with you know, school loans and just not even seeing how to emerge from the situation um, losing a job, losing income, those different types of things tend to cause very deeply rooted financial um, uh, distress. And so they typically can turn into physical symptoms in the body. Um, you might have nervous energy, jitterness, uh, not being able to sleep, um, hyperactive to situations that remind you of the financial problems, uh, such as uh, for, for those who might be able to relate, um, there was a time where bill collectors used to call like your parents or your grandparents. And so even the sound of the phone ringing, if they were suffering from financial PTSD would make them go crazy. Like don't answer the phone, <laughs> you know, or don't pick up the phone or don't answer the door. Cause you knew, you know, who might be there and that it wasn't coming with a happy uh, situation attached to it. So, um, but there's also emotional uh, symptoms that come from it too. So like the inability to feel close to friends and significant others, because you're always so overly stressed about money um, or where you stand with them financially. So sometimes you might not be able to date well because you feel like everyone in your dating pool is making this amount of money and you're only making this amount of money and it causes you not to be able to connect. Um, difficulty enjoying things that should be enjoyable to you. Um, because you're worried about how much this is really costing you or how would you pay it back or what you sacrificed in order to do it. So um, just for instance, I had a, a client that loved to travel but couldn't afford to travel and would spend all of this money just to go on the trip and not enjoy it because what would be waiting for her when she got back. Um, and then also a sense that bad things are inevitable um, just call, kind of always having that gloomy feel. Those are some of the symptoms, physical and emotional. And so we really help our clients to start to, to recognize that, you know, that there's, there hasn't been a lot of terminology in the industry that surrounded that. And so for most people, it just was what it was, you know, it was just, this is life. And this is how we'll we'll migrate through life. So I think really helping our clients recognize this behavior uh, first and foremost gives them a chance to really start to do something about it, to seek help in it, 
uh, to journey deeper into our programs. Um, and sometimes when it's very, very deeply rooted, then we reach out to our therapy partners and really help them dive into that too. Nicole, you're, you're speaking a lot on some of these values that you all seem to be aligned on at Amount Financial. So I'm curious to dig in more to that and understand the perspective that it comes from. So what are some of the most important questions that you and your team are trying to ask yourselves now? Just overall? Overall, right. Um, so our team, we're always asking ourselves, how do we leave a greater impact? Um, how do we meet the pain points of our audience? Um, how do we innovate in, uh, in the financial space? Because it's not a happy space for a lot of people and we want it to be happy. We want it to, we want to help normalize the conversations. Me being on this with you guys is so exciting, seeing you all so young and already so advanced in your money conversation is a part of what we're committed to doing every day. Like, let's make this fun. Let's make this a conversation that we have, just like how we talk about Super Bowl, how we talk about mm. fashion, how we talk about anything else. Let's have these conversations as well. Um, and then restoring hope is a, is a big part of our piece. I think a lot of people lose hope because they don't have a direction. And, you know, for, for some of you who have recently just graduated, you know, there was, there was times where you didn't have hope in college because you just didn't have a blueprint. It was like, what am I doing? Like, I don't like these classes anymore. I don't know what I want to do, et cetera. And some of you had the beauty of a friend who helped you, a parent who helped you, a counselor, someone who just helped steer you into a path. And that's what we're always committed to doing is just giving hope to a situation by creating paths for people. Absolutely, totally agree with that. And, you know, I, I love how you mentioned, you know, making the money conversation fun and, you know, back a little bit earlier in the conversation you spoke about making, uh, you know, the money conversation personalized to each individual that you work with. Um, what are the, some of the tools that you offer around those personalization techniques and, you know, making money fun and, and you know, working with that um, financial PTSD? Uh, and then why do you think they're important? Yeah, yeah. So some of the tools we offer, well, one, we have a, a financial community, um, our membership, which is called the Commonwealth Membership. Um, and it just is a, a place where people can come and be around wealth positive individuals, no matter where you are on your journey. Um, and so just like when you're, you're trying to uh, exercise and you need those, those positive exercise people around you, right? Like you have, when you get on your exercise journey, you have, <laughs> you know who you can call. It's like, hey, let's go walk and uh, let's go hike or let's go play or whatever it is. And they're like, yeah, I've, you know, I've been wanting to get outside today. And then you have your other friends that's like, go outside for what? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Why would we do that? And so you want to keep surrounding yourself around people who are just as excited about their journey as you are. So we have that membership that really helps people um, through that. I have, I personally have a book coming out uh, in, in just a few months called Make Space for Wealth. And that is really going to help a lot of individuals, especially recent grads, uh, millennials, et cetera, because there's so much planning for 
once you already have a, a set amount of finances in your life, but how do you start to construct your life and how do you start to create a life that will um, make room for this wealth to come into your life? Who, what people do you need to already be connected with? You know, have you already identified a wealth planner or a, a financial planner for when this money comes, right? You don't, you don't want the money to come. You don't want to win the lottery and then say, okay, now what am I going to do, right? You want to already have a lot of these things in place. Um, you want to already have education surrounding uh, where you want to invest your money. What is your what is your investment personality? Are you conservative? Are you not conservative? Um, and what do you truly see for yourself? And so um, my book will talk a lot to that. And if I would have had that book in my 20s, that would have been a game changer <laughs> for me. I didn't, you know, it's a lot of times you just think I'll get these things when I need them. Uh, but when you need them is when it's too late. So really structuring a lot of your life around that. Um, with our PTSD is through our money coaching. And so um, we do a lot of mindset, uh, financial mindset, money mindset, uh, financial wellness as a part of our programs through our, um, our money coaching side. And so that's just a part of what we bring a person through. There's always a financial connection and a, a mental connection that goes hand in hand. And a lot of decisions and choices that we make are deeper. They're, you know, they're, they're much more um, intrinsic to our belief system, our value system, our fears. So many things are, are brought into that. So we go through that in depth in, in the beginning processes of working with our clients. Mm. So we will all be on the lookout for that book. <laughs> and you, you mentioned a few of these initiatives that you're working towards, right? Looking forward. Um, what should we all be looking out for from Amount Financial in the next year? Obviously, you're speaking of a book that's going to be released, um, I think, within that next year, right? Next few months. Correct. Um, and we know you're also a, a fierce advocate for inclusion in fintech. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to just hear, um, you know, maybe those are influencers of whatever your answer will be, or maybe they're not. But what should we all be looking out for? Yes. Well, I am a co-founder of an app. Um, it's called the Money App, M-U-N-E-E, -E, the Money App, um, which kind of really speaks to us transitioning into a cashless society, but taking in um, so many factors for those who might not have resources and access to be able to transition. And the pandemic has sped that up, right? When you go around to different stores now, especially I, I live in Florida. So many stores, I'll see signs on the door that say we do not accept cash. And so um, our app is really to speak to a lot of those things that are transpiring and just helping to continuously ease a, a multitude of communities into um, being able to thrive in a cashless society. So have that coming out in the next year or two and lots of goodies Exciting <laughs> in, things in the financial space. So I, I totally invite people just to plug in and we have, you know, something that'll excite you. If, if you're like, oh my gosh, finances, you'll find something through our pages that'll, that'll make you be like, you know what, that is interesting. And I want to, I want to tap into it. <laughs> And remind us of, do you have a launch date for the book? Should we be um, on our calendars? 
<laughs> sure. We're working with our publisher right now on our final launch date. So I'll definitely update your community as soon as we have our launch date mm -hmm. ready to go. Um, it will be spring though. So I'll definitely be sending you guys a copy of the book and maybe we could do a giveaway to your audience once it's ready. Ooh. <laughs> Love that. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. And I know we're we're, we're kind of nearing the end of, of hearing about what Amount is working on, hearing about your personal story. But of course, I, I, I have been dying to ask you this question as it's so important to me as I think about trying to help underrepresented groups as myself, a Black woman. Um, I'm curious about, you know, as we're thinking about how, what each individual can do, there's this entire conversation that we have not breached about the racial wealth gap. And it certainly weaves its way into generational curses and financial traumas. Um, but I'm curious if you were to give advice for an individual actor like myself who wants us to kind of be part of that change or be part of bridging that gap, what would you advise us to do? Uh, a few different things. One, um, to keep talking about it, I feel like it gets it's a conversation that gets brushed to the edge of society a lot. Um, and there has to continuously be voices to bring it back to the forefront. So that's why I applaud the three of you for um, continuously bringing these type of conversations to the forefront. Um, so very, very, very important. Uh, two, the pandemic has intensified, almost doubled the racial wealth gap in an unheard of amount of time. And so, you know, as, as any of us are in the space of producing solutions to remember that and to keep the audiences that are suffering um, or who are falling victim to the racial wealth gap, keeping that, uh, you know, top of mind. Um, three, I would definitely say that if you're ever speaking to anyone, making sure that they are continuously having their legacy plan together. A lot of wealth is lost through people not doing their wills, through people not having a proper trust set up if that's what matches their situation, for people not uh, taking the time to discuss what they have ownership of in their families, what they don't have ownership of, how would they like to see it passed down? And there were, you know, a lot of people in, during the pandemic who thought they had more time to get things together that unfortunately did not. And there is a lot of property that has gone back to uh, state ownership or that's just cycled out of people's, out of families' uh, bloodlines. And so just, you know, reminding people how important, if you are 18 and up, you should go get your will done. Like if you don't take anything else from this conversation, if you are 18 and up, go and get your will done. I know you think it's something for your grandparents to do. And we think of wills, as like a 65 and up activity, but I promise you it's just very, very important um, to have that in place. And it'll help you start to, once you do your will, it'll give you a sense of purpose of what do you want to be able to leave behind? You know, what do you want to be able to transition over? Um, and it will guide you, will serve as, as a GPS for you as you continue to build your life. Um, so those are th things that I feel like it's just very important. 
Yeah, I, I, I could not agree more. I, I could not agree more. And I feel like, first, I feel empowered. I currently am saying it for accountability. I do not have my will set up. I'm in my 20s. So I'm doing that now once we end this Zoom meeting. Um, and I certainly hope that folks that are listening to this episode are feeling the same way. So many incredible nuggets to drop. But I think, Nicole, the my favorite one so far was, you know, the wealth is the groceries. And I feel like you should get that mm. on a mug or something, because if we all know anything in the pandemic, like grocery day is lit. Like grocery day is like, <laughs> oh, we got mangoes, we got fresh bread, we have meat. Like that is really what it's all about. And for those that might be struggling to think about these ideas, like, paying yourself first and having a plan. You know, if that's intimidating to you, think about grocery day. Like we're just trying to get you to more grocery days. And I absolutely just love what you've shared. So it just, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on our show. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, you guys. This was, it's really fun to be on your show. Of course. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Leslie. I totally love, you know, perusing down the aisle of Trader Joe's, picking through <laughs> what I see is new there that day. Yeah. And yeah, thanks again, Dr. Nicole, for this conversation. That was so powerful. You know, I absolutely loved how you brought up, you know, speaking so much about financial PTSD because, you know, prior to this conversation, I, I hadn't heard of it and hadn't really thought too much about it. So it's definitely making me, you know, introspective in my own life, seeing how, you know, my past financial situations and conversations growing up has affected, um, you know, my, my, how I treat money today and, and um, definitely giving me new insight there. So thank you. Thank you. Definitely. We know it's our community at CWC. It's the amount financial community that we're collectively pursuing happiness through those money principles and systems and habits. So if you're listening to this episode, let us help you continue to achieve those goals. And of course, celebrate when you do. Absolutely. And we'd love to hear from you as well. DM us on Instagram or Twitter with your reactions to this series, uh, your questions for future episodes. And if you don't follow us already, you can find our handles in the podcast description. And lastly, big shout out to Nicole, big time, for joining us, dropping some nuggets, dropping some knowledge, uh, lots of gems in there. I have my notepad pretty full, and I, I think I need to like go back and listen again. But uh, one of my biggest takeaways was one of the first things that you had mentioned, Nicole, about describing what happiness means to you and how we have this historically traditional thought of, okay, we need to get through our life and then be financially happy, right? We are working to retire. Um, whereas you are changing that narrative, you and your whole team at Amount Financial of how can we be happy with our finances throughout our life, which is very aligned with some of our missions at Commonwealth Coaching. So really, really happy to hear that's how you think and that's how you are helping change and inspire the world. Um, any final words that you have for the audience today, Nicole? Um, no, I just I just love our alignment. I love our synergy. Um, I love that we're all joining hands on this journey to make wealth and talking about wealth and achieving wealth more common. And um, I just want to reiterate again, any any decisions you can make while time is on your side 
it's it's a beautiful time to do it. So if you're in college, if you've just recently graduated, this is your blessing time right now. So take full advantage of it. Find some wealth positive friends. I promise you there's some people in your age bracket that are already investing. They're, you know, turning a room in their house into an Airbnb. They are, you know, use, putting their car on, um, I forgot what the site is, where you, the Airbnb for your car. Turo. Turo, yes, Turo. I mean, just so many, it's the gig economy. I mean, in a safe way, you know, during these times, but there's just a lot of opportunities for you to be very creative. Um, E-commerce drives so much, you know, creativity right now. And uh, just multiple streams of revenue will keep you very excited and keep you in a good space for a long time love that and don't forget the will don't forget the will if you're 18 <laughs> and over get that will get it set up get yes. your things in order um and while you're at it go ahead and check out amount financial so many incredible things to come from their team in the next year starting off with this spring uh nicole's book many many resources the ability to join her community and even keep up with technology so that is at amount financial we'll add that in the podcast description but in the meantime thank you all for being here we'll catch you next week for our next future of finance series featuring the millennial money podcast a podcast dedicated to helping uh, millennials achieve money wellness through inspiration and empowerment but we'll talk to you next week signing off Thank you.